NFL wild card, well, no, it's super wild card weekend is off to a, man, magnificent start. I would have never guessed that majority of these NFL games were going to go the way that they are and being so close. Uh, but it is super Sunday, super wild card Sunday. It is time to sweep the league once again, every single league. We got a couple of NBA tidbits to get to. We got a lot of NFL talk. Plus, we're going to preview Buccaneers, Cowboys, it's Rudy Campos Jr. I'm here with Stats himself. Marky Mark is in the house. Shamaya is still on the beats. He is he is balls deep in music. So you guys are going to be hearing a lot about Shamaya's music here pretty soon. Derek Gerber still has, uh, it's, I believe it's We Got Next. It used to be the D. Gerv Big Mo Show on Mondays. Now it's renamed. So <laughs> We Got Next. It's Derek Gerber, Paul McKeskey, Ricky Hampton Sr., Candace Avila is busy at Noisy Trumpet, busy being a mom too, but we've got in contact with her as well. People are missing The Rock, Mark. The Rock is on hiatus right now. He's coming off of uh, having COVID, so he's still getting his legs under him. It's going to be you and I tonight, man, but you know what? It's always good. It's a one-on-one show. You go one-on-one with great ones is the way I look at it, right? Amen to that. And we do, we miss, we miss all of these guys. We miss everyone. And you know, that's just life, man. People get busy, but uh, the show goes on, you know, the, the show must go on. It must go on. And sadly, my Super Bowl pick ended about as of this recording, like 20 minutes ago. So do, I, do you want to talk about that? We're going to get to that game. I, I think I'm going to okay. save that game for one of the last ones. But before we get into NFL talk, man, um, shout out to the Spurs, dude. Yeah, they're they're terrible. Their season is shitty, but sixty eight thousand plus at the Alamo Dome. Golly, man! Yeah, San Antonio showed up big time. I've got a problem though. There was a local former radio guy who actually is on the radio now. I'm not going to blast people's names, but he went on Twitter, and I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to give you word for word what he said, but. He was kind of shitting on the whole idea of this thing. And he puts, Hmm. in my opinion, San Antonio is being bamboozled into buying tickets to watch a below average NBA team and buy more merch to achieve a meaningless record. This is arguably the worst Spurs team in franchise history. Quote, unquote. That's exact quote from Twitter. I get if you didn't go into this season knowing that this first season was going to be dog shit. Where have you been? Like, for real. I mean, you couldn't have expected this team to be contenders, be playoff contenders, hell, be in play in-game contenders. So why are you going to shit on them trying to just have fun with the fans? One night in the Alamo Dome, if we sell 35000 we sell 35000 If we sell 65000 great. But we sold 68000 For one minute, why can't everybody just be happy i mean it's it's to me that's a shitty remark yeah it just it just seems so like cold-hearted um like everyone and you i'm glad you said it because i think most nba fans most spurs fans understood that this was going to be a reset button season um it was going to be all about the young guys developing and seeing what we've got in the future um so yeah like anyone who really likes the sport, likes basketball, came into this understanding exactly what kind of a season this was going to be. No sugarcoating. 
Um, there are fans out there that are that are delusional that thought you know the Spurs have like oh we're gonna win a championship, but no, there are always like, fans like that. Yeah, always fans yeah, like that. yeah. Most fans I think understood, but the thing is with the San Antonio Spurs fans is, um, yes, there can be some toxicity. There's toxicity in every fan base, um, but. I noticed what I've seen in Spurs fans is that they keep their heads up and they support this team. Um, it doesn't always happen every night at games. Um, and of course, with a down season like this and with a rare time in the Spurs franchise history where they have actually hit the reset button, because, you know, Spurs fans are just so used to seeing them succeed and having very good seasons year after year. But even then, you're still seeing a lot of support from the fan base. And this is one of those occasions to help rally the fan base behind something that is not only a record, but it is something that is intertwined deep in Spurs history because they used to play at the Alamo Dome. And it is rich Spurs, Alamo Dome, rich history together. And I think it's a really cool throwback vibe um, to that history. And I think that's a perfect occasion to get people together to rally behind the team, behind these young guys. And these young guys want a ball. They want to play. Um, They've got spirit. And we're seeing them improve and seeing them grow. I, you've said it better than I ever could. I mean, I don't think I could have said it any better than that, to be honest with you. I mean, my the thing is that that's kind of a crappy thing. If you're if you want to support the Spurs, support the Spurs. If they want to, if they want to, you know, rent out Jerry World and you know sell ninety thousand tickets for a Spurs Mavericks game, who gives a crap? You know, let them do what they want to do. Who cares? You know what? It's not buying merchandise to support a losing franchise. They're on an off year, man. They're they're in a rebuild. They're not the team that was successful for 20 plus seasons. I mean, rebuilds happen. There nothing lasts forever. How I, I don't get how anyone can shit on that idea, but nonetheless, 68,000 plus. I mean, kudos to the Spurs. Kudos to San Antonio. I couldn't make it. I was working that night, so uh, I would have loved to have been in attendance, but our good friend Jeff Garcia was there. And I bring him up because earlier today, uh, I recorded an episode of Lockdown Spurs with Jeff Garcia. Funny, man, I was at Ikea when I had to do that. It was it was live from Ikea, Lockdown Spurs. <laughs> so, really? <laughs> so when that episode's released tomorrow, it's going to be presented by La- Ikea uh from the I said what did I say from the IKEA studios in, La- in Live Oak, Texas. This is Locked On Spurs, like <laughs> crazy, crazy Great. stuff. I love that. But we were talking about the whole rumor mill with Jakob Pertl. We're not going to sit here and lie. Jakob's a hot commodity. I mean, teams need Jakob Pertl for that playoff push for that championship run. He is a huge factor for some of these teams. So. I made this statement, and I made it to you last week, man. I said, I'm trying everything I can to keep Jacoperto because Wimbayama is not a guarantee. Not only not drafted, he's not a guarantee to stay in San Antonio. I mean, the guy wants to be – he wants his name in, you know, billboards, and he wants his name on the marquee and everything. San Antonio can't give that to him. There's no way. So, yeah. I mean – what do you do in that sense? Like, are you wanting to keep Jakob? And the good thing about it is the draft is before free agency. Jakob's an unrestricted free agent this year. So if you go into the draft and you get Victor Wimbayama, then okay, let Jakob walk if you want him to. But if you're not getting him, would priority number one be sign Jakob? Because I told Jeff it would be. 
that's priority number one. Yeah, I mean, he's the closest thing that needs to be like the the biggest name right now on the team that needs to be signed. If uh, you know, if they are going to choose to keep him, if not, then they better work fast and get something going. Um, and I imagine they would want picks and such, um, because like you said, Wemby isn't a guarantee for the Spurs. I mean, there could be other teams who can just leapfrog them and get him. You know, he's probably going to end up going number one. So, um, you know, just the Spurs may not even end up locking up that position. Uh, by the end of the season. So um, I could see them re-signing Jakob. Jakob is a great personality for the Spurs team anyway. Um, the Spurs organization, they like guys who are just really humble. They do their job. They bust their butts. Um, and they really want to play for their team. Very team-first oriented. And you brought up a really good point with Wemby's personality. Uh, I mean, as we saw, we all thought that that's what Kawhi was um, when he was here. We all assumed he was the really quiet dude, shy guy just wants to put his heart out there on the court, just play, focus on the game. Uh, but, you know, he ended up wanting to do other things, and uh, his personality started coming out. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having a personality, but you want to make sure that the players' personalities that you draft and keep around the team coincide with the team's philosophy, the team's mindsets, and what they're looking for in a basketball player. You know, and I made the point. I made it on Jeff's show. I made it last week with you. It's not a guarantee because don't give me the BS about, well, loyalty. There's only three players in the league that are loyal right now that I can name off the top of my head. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, and um, Jokic. Oh, Jokic. Remember, Luka hasn't really been through a free agency. So, I mean, honestly, there's talk about Luka leaving Dallas. If Dallas cannot surround him with players Luca's gone he's not gonna stick around and that's what I'm getting at you're talking Wimbayama being a generational talent well the last generational talent that we had was LeBron James to be drafted how many teams remind me how many teams has he been on already there's no loyalty when you're that kind of talent there's no loyalty at all it's what can you do for me not what I can do for you so that's my problem, is you let a guy like Jakob walk without knowing for a fact that Wimby's going to be here. And like I said, don't give me the BS either. Tim Duncan, I love him to death, and I said it on Locked On Spurs. I reiterated on Locked On Spurs. Love Timmy. He was fantastic. Greatest player in Spurs history, the greatest power forward in NBA history, top five player all time. But even he was not committed to the Spurs at one point. He was on his way to Orlando, if not for a Doc Rivers, you know, bozo move. So even Tim Duncan was gone. So you, there's no guarantee that, you know, you're going to be able to keep a Wimbayama at all. That's what yeah. I'm trying to get at Spurs fans, man. It's like, don't don't put your eggs in this Wimby basket because you, you're going to be happy for four years. Maybe you'll make the playoffs two out of those four years. Don't yeah. put your eggs in that basket. Well, here, here's the other thing too, though. Uh, the Spurs are pretty good at building teams from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they do end up going with Wemby, um, I, I have faith in the organization and building a squad around him because the Spurs find a way. They always do. Um, they haven't made the best decisions in recent history with some of their latest rosters and teams, but um, I think the Spurs are that organization that can find a way to get back on track pretty fast. 
Um, and if they do go with Wemby and they do end up building a pretty solid roster around him, um, all the pressure is going to be on him. Even if he does leave San Antonio, the public, the media, they're going to get on him for doing that. And I know we're thinking way down the line. Um, the, one of the most egregious moves that I can remember is uh, the Kevin Durant uh, departure from Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, that was a shocker because, so at least to me in terms of, wow, you left a very good title contending team to go to the team that you had the team in the that basket. beat you, beat yeah. you at the final. So you joined well, they, them. three and one. They had them. Yes. They had them on the cusp of defeat. And then you go and leap to the team that defeated you and upset you three, you know, after you had a three, one lead over them. That one to me was one of the biggest, the most egregious moves. Um, as far as a star just leaving a very good roster. And the thing is, and I'm glad you brought up Giannis. I, and one of the reasons I love Giannis too is he's probably my favorite player in the NBA right now. But uh, the, the fact that he had, the thing is the organization, the Bucks organization gave him every reason to stay. Um, a lot of, I don't know if you were like listening to a lot of the Giannis talks about him potentially leaving before he signed that massive contract with them. I don't remember people. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of the media folks were telling him to leave and get this uh, Kareem, who was a former buck, told him that his advice to Giannis was, you're not going to win a championship in Milwaukee. Leave. Oh, I do remember that. Remember Kareem saying that? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. And what is what does Giannis do? He signs the massive contract with Milwaukee and he wins the city, their first championship since 1971. Last time they did was with Kareem. Of all people. Yep. Exactly. Luau, no, no. Sorry. Luau Cinder. Yeah. Luau Cinder. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Um, you're right. With Giannis, you're right. Go ahead. You're right. You're right. But yeah, but the thing is like, so even if they do end up going with Wemby and Wemby sees that the Spurs organization can build a great roster. I mean, but here's the thing though. I mean, like most of the media were kind of, that you could tell it was a little biased. They were leaning towards like pushing the Giannis storyline of him leaving Milwaukee but the thing is Milwaukee had coach Bud they had a really good coach they had a great roster they got Middleton they got you know like Bobby Portis they like, they have so much depth on that team that Giannis had every reason in the world to stay and here's the other thing they could pay him the most money mm-hmm. so why would you leave a fantastic roster and a team that can pay you the most money I, you're right. I mean, that's and that's kind of what I think with Jakob too. Jakob is a unrestricted free agent, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Spurs can pay him the most out of any team out there. And don't forget, man, the Spurs are going to have probably one of the most like available cap spaces in the league. They're going to have so much cap space; it's not even funny. I mean, it. If I'm not mistaken, I'm going to look it up here while we're talking. But I think that they're going to have. Upwards of sixty million available. I mean, of course, it depends on, um, it depends on the uh, the salary cap. But after this season, the twenty twenty going into so we're in twenty two twenty three. So at the end of this season, they're projected to only have fifty four million dollars going into the books. Do you realize? Salary cap is a hundred and what twenty, I think. So oh, wow. they're gonna have, and they're only at ninety nine million right now. They have a good amount to spend still. If they really wanted to go after a superstar and take on that massive contract, 
they're they've got it. But going into next year, if they keep a Doug McDermott, he's going to make the most at thirteen point seven. I'm thinking they're going to trade him by the end of by the trade deadline this year. So if you get rid of his contract, you're sitting at forty one million dollars. You would have almost eighty million in cap space. You can not tell me. Plus, if you have the first pick, if you get a Scoot Henderson or a Wembayama, that's not a lot of money. It's only like four million a year, three million a year. So you're gonna have a massive amount of cap space, and you can give Jakob what he wants, fifteen a year, sixteen a year, and still have enough to go after a superstar too. Which to me would be a steal, though, even then, because Jakob yes. Jakob is a top ten center in the league. It's kind of amazing how people still don't realize how good he is. Keldon is on the books for twenty million next year, mm-hmm. but that's his rookie contract that he got the extension on. He's going to make the most out of anybody. You still have Devin uh, under contract till the end of 24-25 on his rookie deal. So, I mean, go after that. The Spurs are only $19 million on cap after next season is over, going into 24-25. They, they, have per, they have positioned themselves to be massive, massive players in the free agent market. So... I think that this year's team is good. It's about three players away from being playoff contenders. Now, pairing a Wimbayama with a Keldon and a Devin might work. It'll be beneficial for Keldon and Devin. You know, I think it'll help them on the scoring side. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of like, well, I like Jakob because Jakob is that leader that I like the Spurs to have. He's a locker room guy. He's a great guy. He's a great community guy. Um, he's probably one, if not the best pick and roll guys in the game today. Defensively, he's you're getting a bang for a buck at $9 million this year is what he's making. And he's probably one of the best defenders in the league. So, I mean, yeah, that's priority. If you don't win the Wimbayama sweepstakes, that's priority number one. Give him what he wants. If he wants 15 a year, and like you said, that's a steal. Hell yeah, 15 a year is a steal for Jakob Pertl. Give him what he wants. I think he's earned it. He's deserved it. Same thing with Trey Jones, man. Trey Jones is only making 1.7 this year. If this guy wants $4 million a year, you give him that $4 million a year. He's, he's only making 1.7? He's, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this season. But this year he's making $1.7 million, And he's mm-hmm. one of the better point guards in the league. Wow, yeah. Holy cow, right? Holy cow. Yeah, that, that's mind-blowing because he was very impressive last season. Yes. Yes. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, this this free agency is going to be huge for the San Antonio Spurs. They have so much cap room. They're primed to get some really, really, a really good pick if they stay in the top three. Well, bottom three. They'll get a top three pick. So, Hey, hey Rudy, I have a quick question, and this is kind of a theoretical one. Um, just revolving around the Spurs. Do you think so? The Toronto Raptors aren't doing so hot right now. Yeah. Um, do you think, and I've heard rumors about Toronto being involved in trades. Um, do you think the Spurs could potentially make a play for Siakam? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think there's some guys out there that I really think that, um, I think there's some players out there for the San Antonio Spurs to have. Siakam's one of them. Now, 
I don't remember if he okay, so he's on the books this year, I believe, for 35. He's on the books next year for 37. Then he's an unrestricted free agent. I don't know if you necessarily trade for Jakob. I mean for not Jakob for Pascal Siakam, but you you very well could. I think the Raptors are probably going to look at getting rid of his salary. Now, Fred Van Fleet is a he's a he has the option, the player option after this season. So he could also bolt too. I'm thinking, man, that's tough, dude, because Toronto may want to start thinking about shedding some of that cap space at that cap they have. They're at 147 million this year. So they definitely need to shed some some cap space. I, it could be real. What do you think? I mean, it, it, you, I would like Siakam on the Spurs roster. I mean, he makes perfect sense for them. I think, like, in every way possible, Siakam makes perfect sense for the Spurs. And just just him especially, I mean, he's we all know how good he is, but, I mean, his character, too. He is the exact kind of character that meshes really well with the Spurs. He has a desire to learn, to grow. And if Pop does stick around a little longer, man, he can learn a lot of a lot more stuff from him. And uh, I think he'd be perfect in the, you know, in the silver and black, man. Oh, yeah, man. I, I really, really think so. I like Siakam's game. There's a lot of guys I do like out there that I feel would be really good uh, Spurs guys coming in. Um, it, it's I don't know, man. It's one of those. uh it's one of those good problems to have. I mean, you can possibly have what $90 million in cap space. If you play your cards, right. Maybe $70 million in cap space. Like that's a good problem. That's a very good problem. Considering the team isn't getting a lot of attendance either. It sheds a lot of, you know, cap space to where you don't see a lot of red marks and that's going behind the scenes on a lot of stuff. But nonetheless, man, it's going to be a really good off season for the San Antonio Spurs. Just got to, got to get through this uh this time of uh this season right here they're not going to be contenders in the next few years i really don't unless they you know randomly get oh you know hey we're we've got lebron and we've got you know someone else coming in san antonio then you can start talking about it but even in this case i don't want lebron in san antonio <laughs> there's the guys the guys struggling in la man there's no way i would take a 90 uh, year old lebron james on the spurs roster at all at all. This is Sweep the League. Uh, it comes to you every single Sunday night. The uh, Digger Big Mo Show, now it's renamed to We Got Next. It's every single Monday night on Facebook. Derek Irvin, Paul McKeskey, Ricky Hampton Sr. Uh, does that show for you. Shamai on the Beats has an internet radio. Shamai on the Beats internet radio. Be sure to check that out. Releasing a lot of good content. Not only does Shamai do Shamai on the Beach Radio, but him and Stats come to you every single week with Baller Boys Podcast. And last but not least, we have I Am Refocused Radio with Shamai on the Beats, uh, bringing to you every interview possible, whether it's sports world, whether it's the business world, the entertainment world. They've got tons of great interviews, so be sure to check out I Am Refocused Radio. Oh, the big day's here, man. I, I was worried about the Chargers because I took the Chargers on our last podcast and I changed it to the Jaguars because of Mike Williams being out. Chargers came out strong. I was like, damn, okay. Jaguars came back and win. We're going to get into that here in a second. The one game I want to hit first is the one game that if you 
are breathing in America, there's absolutely no way you took Seattle. There was no way San Francisco was going to lose to Seattle. That's been the game that has been pretty convincing, I guess. A convincing win. I had my doubts about Brock Purdy, dude. I did, but he kind of shut me up. And that San Francisco defense and offense, clicking, clicking on that against that Seattle uh, team. I I don't know if anybody in the NFC can beat him, to be honest with you. I don't see anybody beating him. I think the only way to beat the 49ers is to make Brock uncomfortable. But how? But- See that that's that's the thing. Well, here's here's the thing. And look, Brock's got a great story. He's really motivated. Everyone loves this, like you know, Mister Irrelevant. He's doing a good job with what he's been given. But he is surrounded by talent all over the place. I mean, everywhere. Like you touched, they have a fantastic defense, a great offensive line, good defensive line, good good receiving roster, um, all sorts of weapons. Christian McCaffrey has rejuvenated his career. Um, so, yeah, the thing is, you just got to try and make him uncomfortable in the pocket, make him try to scramble. He did show some what he can do with his legs in this game. Um, but there were a few little errors here and there in that game. And um, I don't think Brock is I don't think he's that great. I think he's fine. I think Brock is fine and he is solid enough. He's not turning the ball over. Um, and I think he's solid enough to get this team to the Super Bowl. That's um, what, so, that was my question. Super Bowl. Say they get the Super Bowl. Say they win yep. the Super Bowl. What do you do with Trey Lance? Doesn't that turn into a whole Carson Wentz thing again? Kind of, but um, again, it, it just depends on. We got to see what Trey Lance does when he comes back. That's the thing. Um, I don't think you give this job to Purdy. Like, Have the right Niners looked that. better under Purdy or Lance? Now forget Jimmy G because Jimmy G's gone. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to be. I think he's going to be with the Jets next year. To be honest with you. But say, uh, yeah. who's who are they looked better under, Purdy or Lance? Well, here's the to thing: me it's we didn't re- we didn't get to see much from Lance. That's the problem. We we got to see little glimpses, and of course, there's gr- there's room for them to grow, um, big time. And Lance, I think there's room for both Brock and and Lance to grow. And I think Lance showed some some flashes here and there about what he can do with his legs, especially. Um, and that's something that Brock doesn't like exceed in as far as talent. I don't think he's that great on his legs. Um, and I think under pressure, Brock is going to fold um, in clutch moments, but that's the thing the, here's the thing. And you brought up a really good point. They're just solid all across the board where this roster and all the pieces around it can kind of cover those cracks um, in Brock's kind of issues. Like his, his lack of experience um, you know, like, and again, he's, he's thrown a lot of touchdowns. He hasn't turned the ball over that much. And that to me is going to be the key for this 49ers to make a serious Super Bowl run and win a Super Bowl is they cannot turn the ball over. And the guy who can't do it is going to be Brock. We know CMC is not going to do it. We know these receivers aren't going to turn the ball over Brock. It's going to be on Brock's shoulders, man. He cannot throw picks. He cannot fumble. Um, and things are looking too bright. I guess um, I'm always a stickler for like when the media or the public kind of gets on, Oh, they look amazing right now. They're not making any mistakes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Rudy, like, especially with these young guys, with these rookies, there are going to be mistakes and we need yeah. to see how many he's going to make in these clutch moments. That's going to be the key. But what if he, if does, he it? does it? What if he doesn't? 
I mean, you said it, you brought up a great point. The defense kind of, it kind of covers those holes for him, but you're surrounded by McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, one of the better offensive lines in the game. I mean, I think it's the best. I think it is. I think it's actually ranked the best O line in the league. So, okay. So then it goes back to, okay. If you were to insert Trey Lance, would these Niners still be these Niners? Yes. That's it. That's kind of a mind box. Okay. So say next season starts. San Francisco won the Super Bowl and Trey Lance is your starter. San Francisco starts one and two. Lance has looked terrible. What do you do? I think you give him like one or two more games, see what happens. So you're sitting at one and six. I uh, mean, but if you oh, if you're sitting at one and six, yeah, you make the switch. That that's the problem. Is it's like okay, so you have Mr. Irrelevant. Tom Brady was drafted what in the seventh round, sixth round. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody expected him to be anything. Is this another type of story that guy comes in? And just makes the league, puts the league on notice. Like, I'm not hyping up Brock Purdy at all. I care less. I don't give a shit about San Francisco. They're not my team. I don't care. But the story's great. It's like, how good can he be? But is it really him or is it the team? It's probably got to be the team. So it's, just, it's, it's the system, hands down. It's the this, this is one of the best and most talented rosters in the league by far. And um, it is uh, to me, don't get me wrong, Brock, like I said, you got to give credit to what, you know, he's doing a good job. He's like with what he's been given to do. He's not turning the ball over. That's the biggest thing. The fact that he's taking care of the ball as the quarterback on this team. Uh, He's won over the locker room. The guys like him a lot and they want to support him. Um, But again, it's, it's, it's going to be what happens when the mistakes start happening. If they do, of course, if the, if they do happen, we don't want to see a guy fail or anything, but you know, you got to see what happens when, you know, things happen in the clutch. You know, what happens in crunch time in the grand stage? Um, is is the guy going to be perfect like he has been? Um, my answer is going to be no. I don't think a guy is going to be perfect. I don't think it's, you know, the expectation is for these players to be absolutely flawless, but that never happens. Someone's going to make a mistake. Patrick Mahomes has made mistakes. Josh Allen's made mistakes. Lamar Jackson's made mistakes. Um and on big stages too, big spotlights. Uh, Josh Allen threw some bad picks today, and we'll talk about that game at some point. But um, it's we haven't seen any problems with Brock yet. And the thing is, I don't know if he's actually been tested that much. Again, they just faced Seattle. No one saw Seattle winning this game. But I think <laughs> they played the- him tough, though. Like they they were in there. They were actually in the lead, weren't they, for a little bit? Yeah, first half. Uh, first half, Seattle was pretty solid. Yeah, they they you got to give them credit too. They they really tried, and um, it's pretty impressive what what they've been able to do. Well, actually, Geno Smith has has been pretty impressive. He's turned his career around there with that opportunity. And when New York uh, Jets, Geno Smith came out to play in that second half. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, but yeah, those those are my thoughts there. On San Fran, of course, they're one of the strongest teams in the NFC right now. Um, that roster is loaded, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the Super Bowl. I turned off the Chargers game because I thought, 
okay, Chargers are going to win this game. I switched my pick. I I I think without Mike Williams there, I was like, eh, it's it's probably not going to be a good day for Justin Herbert because you've got Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler is great. I figured Jacksonville would you know stack the box against Eckler, make Herbert beat him with Everett and Keenan Allen. And I thought, well, it's just not going to be a good day for the Chargers. Mike Williams is that guy for the Chargers on the uh, on the wide receiver side. So I changed the Jaguars, started watching the game, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. I'm like, this is terrible pick. Lawrence pick, Lawrence pick. I'm like, holy cow, Sante Samuel had, you know, more picks than his dad did his entire career, like in one freaking half. Like, yeah, he had three picks, right? Yeah, so it's like, I mean, and no, no disrespect to Sante Samuel. He had a, he was a great player, hell of a player. He had a lot more picks than three picks, but. What I'm saying is, like, he just went bonkers. And I thought, there's no way Jacksonville can come back. I turned off the game only to wake up and see 31 to 30. I'm like, how in the hell did that happen? There is no way. No way. That that the Chargers should have lost this game at all. I don't get it, man. I don't. I, I, I get it. You know, you know what happened, Rudy. By all means, tell me. All right, I'll tell you what happened, and it's one word: cursed. Man, you I'm did saying say that last week. You said that last week. Cursed. This this is the most snake bitten team in the NFL. They are cursed. There is something. I don't know who who summoned this voodoo magic on this team. It went from San Diego to LA. Nothing has changed. I don't know what's going on. And it's it's actually scaring me a little bit. Like this team, everyone touted this team to be a Super Bowl contender at the start of the season. Yeah. And and everything, everything possible that could have gone wrong went wrong for this team. Injuries upon injuries upon injuries upon just boneheaded, like like just the inability to finish games, to make the play when they really have to. Um. Yeah, it's it's really hard to watch, and this is a loaded roster too. I mean, Do you fire Brandon Staley? Yes. Uh, it's yeah. I say one hundred percent. Yes. You're right. It's a loaded roster, dude. It's a loaded it, it, it roster. is wild, and they just they have they have Joey Bosa. They just traded for Cleo Mack, which was a great pickup. Uh, they signed a J.C. Jackson after New England didn't re-sign him. Um, great pickups. They went all in. They got a Justin Herbert still on his rookie contract for crying out loud. So they're finding cap space for the moment. And you expect you got Austin Eckler. They signed him to a really good team friendly extension, probably the most underrated running back in the league. Um, and of course, I always get a kick out of his air guitar. Um, and also, <laughs> hey, hey, real, real quick, Austin Eckler, if you ever listen to this, uh, awesome Twitter account. I just love go follow Austin Eckler on Twitter. He's just he's a great follow, great follow, positive dude, humble, hard worker. But um, him and that entire team deserve better than this. Jeez, they really do, man. They really do. And I mean, I'm looking at their their uh, injured reserve list. I mean, you still got their kicker Dustin Hopkins is out there, but Jalen Guyton is a wide receiver that I think is going to really be good for them. You know, J.C. Jackson was obviously out. He's on injured reserve. I mean, good God, man. Rashawn Slater, their tackle. Their best yeah. tackle is on injured reserve. They, they, yeah. You're right. This Chargers team is stacked. Kyle Van Noy is there. I mean, how do you not get it done? It's 100% Brandon Staley. I guarantee you we're going to hear 
this is where Sean Payton's going. Can you imagine Sean Payton getting his hands on Justin Herbert the way he got his hands on Drew Brees? Like, holy cow, man. And you're giving him Mike Evans. I mean, not Mike Evans, Mike Williams. You're giving him Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. That defense. I mean, there, there is no way this Chargers team should ever suck in a season. Ever. The worst part is, exactly. I, I'm all on board with what you just said. The worst part is, they got four picks off Trevor Lawrence in the first half. <laughs> How on earth did they lose this game? I don't... <sighs> I can't say I saw the second half because I did it. Because like I said, I figured it's over. There's no way. I mean, even if they decided to run the ball, which apparently they didn't do, I get put your, you know, your pedal to the metal and just keep going. But eventually you got to run some clock down, don't you? I mean, Austin Eckler is Austin Eckler. A couple of dunks and dinks and you're fine. I don't, man, I don't know, dude. That That's a crazy one. You give Jacksonville any shots to move on after this to the uh, the conference finals? Uh, no, I think they lose in the next round. Who would they be playing right now? It would be Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. So Kansas City, if, if Cincinnati wins, it's Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City, Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they'd be. Jacksonville, but the way these playoffs are going, I have no idea because I did not expect the Dolphins to give the Bills any type of any type of run. That that was a scare. Um, yeah, that, that <laughs> was a scare, and it, it was like Bills fans everywhere, including myself. We were just like holding our breath because like <laughs> this always happens to the damn Bills. Like there was always this weird. We we talked about the Chargers having this curse. I don't think the Bills have it nearly as bad but there is some weird stuff that happens to the bills in the in the playoffs in the postseason like whether it's a big play that they let loose uh, a fumble an interception a boneheaded move something always happens to this bills team and um a lot of fans almost had heart attacks today oh yes and Derek Irvin who picked the bills to win the super bowl i'm sure was glued to his TV set and I'm going to say right now if I'm ownership of the Dolphins I'm taking a hard look at Mike McDaniel not necessarily firing him getting rid of him I'm looking at him and I'm asking him one question fourth and inches fourth quarter and I'm not even saying inches it's fourth in centimeters millimeters you obviously are going for it. How do you not get a playoff before the time the uh, the play clock expires? You went fourth and millimeters in the fourth quarter, driving on the Buffalo Bills to fourth and six, and that's your season. No timeouts, dude. There was two minutes and like 20-something seconds in the game. No timeouts. They decided to change personnel with like 12 seconds left on the play clock. And then they tried to run a play. I I am 
like I said, if I am ownership, if I am Steven Ross right now, I'm I'm pulling Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel as soon as they get off that plane into my office. And my only words are, what the fuck are y'all thinking? Explain to me. And if I don't like the explanation, get out. Pack your shit and get out. Did you see the game? Yeah, I did. I watched the game. What do you what how did that play make you feel? Uh just really unprofessional, man. Like how do you make this mistake? You know, how do you allow that to happen um in such a clutch moment? The fact I mean the fact that the Dolphins even were close at that point. I mean, they were playing with a third string a third string quarterback. I mean, how it's kind of amazing that they were even keeping it a game at that point. Um but even then, so even with that, you got to give the Dolphins props for keeping it close. But yeah, in crunch time, you know, fourth and whatever, you can't make that. You can't make that mistake. And Mike McDaniel, of course, we all know the Dolphins have been on a skid through the end of the season. Um, they have not looked very good. They kept losing games. Um, but, you know, it, it almost looked like they were going to wipe that away with this. And then they make that boneheaded mistake on fourth and whatever in millimeters. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that cannot happen. Um, and I've heard, I've heard some uh, support for Mike McDaniel being let go uh, as the head coach, but I think it's too early for it. Um, I completely agree with you. I think ownership does pull him in the office and find out what the hell happened uh, because that cannot happen with your season on the line, especially when you've given your team hope that you have a chance to move on in a matchup that you were expected to get dominated. Um. That that is what's even worse about it. I think the fact that this this Dolphins team, these players, willed themselves to keep the game this close, and then they blow it on a boneheaded thing like that, that's frustrating. That's all on coaching, man. That is all on coaching. That is so terrible that they they had the opportunity to upset, and probably the biggest upset in the NFL in a while, upset the Buffalo Bills, and you do not. You miss man, you your time management sucks. Why is it lately that in NFL games, even important ones, we've seen time management just suck? I've noticed that not just this year, in previous years, like it's just been shitty time management, man. I, I don't get it at all, and it came full circle today. Dolphins lose to uh, the Buffalo Bills, thirty four thirty one. They were what? I think they were on the fifty, weren't they? I think they, I don't think they were on the 50. I think they were like the 40 or something, but 40, 45, way. somewhere around there. But even yeah. there, you get the first. You're like I said, you're, fir- you're fourth in millimeters. You know, you can quarterback sneak it and I mean, hell, just reach over. You got it. And they don't do that. I, I'm never going to understand that. Needless to say, we got one more game before we, uh, before we cover the uh, Buccaneers and, Cowboy preview real quick. We've got the Giants and Vikings. My Super Bowl pick up in flames. Uh, beginning of the season, I took the Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl. They made me look good for pretty much all year with the exception of a few games. Came out and lost to a New York Giants team that I said it last week again. I'm going to reiterate it again. I said Daniel Jones would have been the best quarterback in that draft, and that was with Kyler Murray going number one. Do you put Flowers 
all over my room for saying that. Yep. Daniel Jones proved it this season that he is the real deal. He is a franchise quarterback. And um, I don't know if you heard, but they're looking at giving both him and Saquon uh, extensions. Max, max deals. Max yeah. Deals. And they deserved it. Um, Daniel Jones was a beast tonight. Yes. Um, yeah, he was a beast on the ground. He's multifaceted. He's a perfect kind of quarterback for today's game. Um, I'm not sure if we actually had a conversation about the passing of the torch, how um, these new generation quarterbacks are dual threats, and you've got guys like A-Rod, uh, Brady, Stafford, these, these older guys who are just so used to hanging out in the pocket, kind of almost getting fizzled out a bit by the modern game. Um, but I know that's it's a whole other conversation, but um, Daniel Jones has got both. He's a dual threat. And today's game, I mean, all season, I've been impressed with this Giants team. Just how on earth they're doing this, uh, dealing with injuries. I mean, we talked about the Chargers being injured. The Giants have had injury upon injury this entire season. Um, and not only that, but uh, Daniel Jones doesn't have like an actual wide receiver one. No, he doesn't. I don't even think he has an actual wide receiver two on this team. Um, um, it's kind of... I would say Darius Slayton is probably wide receiver two, but low two, low two, not yeah. not two two, but low two. Yeah, yeah, he's serviceable, um, and he's made some big plays. He made some big plays in today's game too. Um, I'm mad impressed with this Giants team, um, and I think I'm going to go ahead and say that Brian Dable deserves Coach of the Year, hands down. It, yeah. There is no debate anymore. No debate anymore after this. I still give Doug Peterson the nod. I still give Doug Peterson the nod. I, I, I've got to. I've got hey, I'll to. tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this, Rudy. I think the Cowboys made a mistake not getting Peterson over there. Oh yeah. When they were when they were coach shopping, I think they really messed up not trying to go for Peterson. I think so too. I really think so. That that was Doug Peterson is that guy. I mean, he like I said, four wins total for the Jacksonville Jaguars in two seasons. Peterson gets there. Their playoff team. They beat, they won their first playoff game. I mean, what more do you have to prove? Peterson's that guy. I mean, he really is that guy. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Danny Jones, I mean, we're going to go to the stats real quick 24 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns, 78 yards rushing on the ground. This guy, he's a low, he's a poor man's Josh Allen right now. He's getting it done in the air. He's getting it done on the ground. He's getting his team better. Give him the weapons that Josh Allen has. I think he puts up better numbers. I think oh, we're yeah. talking about the Giants being one of the teams in the league. Yeah, hands down, man. I have to agree. And they, they might have to consider seriously looking at a DeAndre Hopkins because he's Ooh, on the trade block. Yes. Oh, my God. DeAndre Hopkins as a mm -hmm. New York Giant. Do you make that call to Odell? Uh, why not? I mean, I would bring Odell in and then combine him with a uh, D Hop, and there you go. You just fixed your receiving core like that. And let's let's not forget they they still have a top notch wide receiver there, and he's just on injured reserve right now. And that is um, Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard was putting up some numbers until he got injured. He's pretty serviceable. Yeah, he yeah. is pretty serviceable. So having him paired with a D-hop would be good. I mean, it would definitely be really good for that uh, Giants team. 
I mean, they're they're missing some guys, obviously, um, but they've got one of the better offensive lines in the game. And it's kind of weird that you say that. I mean, to me, Daniel Jones gets sacked a lot. The offensive line is not greatness, but it's serviceable. I think if they were to head into this draft, just solidify that offensive line, put somebody next to Evan Neal. I mean, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal are are superb. They're good. But get somebody in there, maybe a John Michael Schmitz, a center right there. Um, that would be good for them. Maybe an Osiris Thomas out of Florida. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And yeah. And the thing is, like, here's the here's the biggest difference I noticed with this Giants team and why I think they're playing, of course, you know, personnel and schemes and everything that match their players always makes a difference. But there is something that has changed in the locker room. There is a completely different vibe. There's a new culture. And Brian Dable did that. He created this new culture where the guys want to they're motivated. They want to play. They want to push themselves. Um and again, that's why it's also why I say he should win coach of the year, just alone, just for completely changing a mindset in a locker room. Um, we haven't seen the Giants play like this motivated in a long time. And they're doing that just that. And like you said, and, and it's interesting because their O-line has been an issue for years and years and previous regimes have not addressed it at all. They think that they can just go get discount players from other teams that didn't work out mm-hmm. or their draft picks didn't work out. They didn't know how to like pick the right guys at that position. Um, but no, like you said, Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, um, Dable helped bring in John Feliciano from Buffalo. Uh, he was a good, he's a good, he was a good lineman for Josh Allen over there for years and he brought him in. So this new regime is really making all the right moves. And honestly, on paper, this team should not have been uh, like going where it is right now. Like it didn't at the start of the season, Everyone thought that, funny enough, the NFC East was going to be like one of the weakest divisions in the entire league. And then you got the Giants all of a sudden, you know, just, you know, showcasing heart and playing their hearts out and just balling, man. Um, And that's with all the injuries and all the circumstances. So to me, the New York Giants are probably um, the most inspiring team, I think, in the NFL right now. Yeah. And that's not, let's not, you know, let's not. Forget the fact that the NFC East almost had all four teams in the playoffs. Almost. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to the NFC East. I mean, it was the NFC week. It was the NFC least. It was everything you could imagine. Uh, but they are yeah. – the Giants seem to be for real, man. They came out and they balled against the Vikings. Now, I don't know if that's saying much about the Vikings. I mean, everybody tends to know Kirk Cousins doesn't really show up in big games. So uh, – the 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 Vikings uh, are the Vikings. Yeah, so they're going to probably end up facing. Well, they are going to face Philly next week, no matter what happens between tomorrow's game between Dallas and uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Giants will be facing the Eagles next week. Not the Vikings, the Eagles next week. So that's going to be a good one, man. I think I wouldn't rule out the Giants against that Eagles team, knowing you've played them twice already this year. I mean, there are division rivals, so that's going to be pretty damn fun, which means our preview of tomorrow's game, Niners-Cowboys, I can't see any of them beating San Francisco. So it's either going to be a one-week happiness for the Dallas Cowboy fans or it's just going to be a misery all in one night. What do you think is going to happen? I have to ask you first. 
Has your stance changed? Do we see a Cowboys win tomorrow in Tampa Bay against a guy who's never lost to them in a scheme where the Cowboys have not won a road game since, I believe, 1995? Road playoff game since 1995. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so I initially picked Dallas to win this game. Because the Buccaneers, just at the time when we were making predictions, the Buccaneers just did not look impressive at all whatsoever. Um, most of the season, the Bucs have struggled on both sides of the ball, uh, which is weird because they have a really good like offensive roster. But again, like, and I'll say that I've said this before on the podcast, but Tampa Bay really needed a Rob Gronkowski type tight end for Brady. Um, he was always like his safety outlet. Um, but I, this is going to be a close game, but I think Tampa is going to pull it off. And I think Brady is going to pull it off in a two minute offense type fashion where he's going to drive them down the field and win it for him. Um, it's a shame as far as like Cowboys fans that they're probably going to have to experience this um, because the Cowboys have a good team. Um, the star of the Cowboys, of course, you know, Michael Parsons on defense, but the star for me on offense it's got to be Tony Pollard this season. Yeah. Um, that dude, he has proven, he has shown that he is the real deal. Um, he's shifty. I mean, we, we could talk about Tony Pollard for like an entire episode, but he's he's been the star on the offense so far. And you got to give credit to CD Lamb, you know, kind of showing all the doubters. You know, a lot of people criticized him. Like, can he really be a, a number one? Um, he is really coming out on his own this season as well. But um, there is a lot of there are a lot of interesting things with this game. So Tampa on paper is not good. <laughs> like no, I was pulling up, yeah, it's it's fascinating because if you look at the rankings of both uh, on offense and defense for Tampa, they are not good. Um, the defense is twenty second in most points allowed, so they allow a lot of points to other offenses. Um, and the offense is like ranked twenty fifth in the league, which is not good at all. Um, and on paper, like this, this screams like Dallas, like this should be a Dallas victory. Um, and on top of that, uh, Dallas is like in the top five on like rushing yards. So, um, Tampa, they can actually take advantage of Tampa's weaker, um, rush defense, um, cause they're allowing a lot of yardage too. They're 15th in rush yards allowed. So they're right in the middle of the league, but that's a, that's a weakness that Dallas can and should exploit. And it also gets pressure off of Dak too. Yeah, it, and you know what? If if you're gonna if you're the Cowboys and you went Dak to win this game, it's gonna go terribly wrong. I think that you're right. That Pollard needs to get going. Zeke needs to have a really big game. Tampa Bay's really good against the run. I really, I mean, they're really good against the run. But how do you trust Dak Prescott? I mean, he has great moments. Does and I'm gonna probably get shit from cowboy fans on this, but doesn't he have like a Kirk Cousins type feel? How he looks so good sometimes, and he could look good for months, but then he has those games that it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, I, I put him, I put him in a tier with with uh, Cousins. I put Dak and Kirk right there in the same tier. You almost have to, like, yeah. really, you almost have to. I, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm like, it's. I don't know. What do you? Got? It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting though because I think they really should rely on the run in this game. They need to get Pollard going. They need to get Zeke going and just 
kind of keep the pressure off of Dak because Tampa Bay, believe it or not, is actually top 10 in passing yards. So they're actually pretty good against the pass. Um, Again, they're 15th in rush defense, which is really unusual for this Tampa Bay team because the past two or three seasons. So the season, little little trivia here, the season before Brady showed up, they were actually like a top three rushing defense. Mm-hmm. And this was when like they had no, like no good news coming out of Tampa. Like, you know, Jameis just throwing picks all over the place. Um, the offense just not just playing catch up most of the season, the defense looking bad, but the one bright spot on that roster was the rush defense. They had something they had been building that for like the, for years. Um, but now in a rare turn of events, Tampa Bay is 15th in rushing yards allowed. Um, so that's, that's not good. Um, and especially in this matchup where the Cowboys can exploit that. Um, I think that's how the Cowboys got to win this game. Eat up the clock, keep Brady off the field, and just get long drives with the run. Yeah, because there are now Tampa Bay's giving up 120 yards uh, a game on the rushing side. So I think I'm looking at passing. I want to see what they give up passing wise. They're only giving up 203 yards passing. So yeah, they are better against the pass. Against the, I mean, so then, Jesus, do you make. Do you just stack the box against the Cowboys? I mean, what would be the game plan going into this for Tampa Bay? I think you said it out. You said it out loud right there. Stack the box. Do your best to try to plug up Pollard and Zeke and then make Dak win the game for him. And Dak do it, though. <sighs> See, that's the question. That's the million-dollar question. Jeez. Man. Ultimate outcome is you say that the Cowboys don't win this game. Oh, if the Cowboys don't win this game? No, I'm saying you don't have them winning this game. Um, no, I don't. I think I think Brady. I think they're going to get goaded in probably the most Brady way possible. I think Dallas is going to have a lead. There's going to be like two minutes left in the game. Tampa's going to have a timeout or two, and Brady's going to drive them down the field for the game-winning field goal slash touchdown. Hmm. Well, I'm not changing my pick. I picked Tampa Bay to win this game. I'm going to stick to it. I say that Tampa Bay does win. I don't know if it's going to be an outright win and they just, you know, come to play and beat the brains out or it's going to be by a field goal or whatever. I just know that it's hard to bet against playoff Tom Brady. Even with a bad roster, a bad season, it's hard to bet against him. So I'm still I'm taking Tampa for the win still, but that's why they play the games, right? I mean Yeah. You you know what's interesting, Gritty? I just want to say this real quick. I think I think Tampa would have a considerably better season had Arian stayed. I I, I yeah. think they need a new coach. I think that's the answer here. I don't disagree with you on that. I really don't. I really feel that Tampa really does need another coach. But who? I mean, who fits that system? Not like you can grab Bill Belichick and take him down there. He ain't going anywhere. Right. Um, I mean, we've heard, I don't know if you heard the rumors about Brady potentially going to the Raiders. I have heard those. Yeah, I, I, I know we can we can have a full on conversation about that maybe in next week's episode or so. So, oh, maybe a little preview there. But uh, 
yeah. we'll see what happens there. But uh, who knows? Maybe a Sean Payton might want to look over there if Tampa does decide to hang on to Brady. Or, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think Sean Payton would go into Tampa Bay like that. It's just, I think Sean Payton doesn't, he wouldn't have as much control as he did when he had Drew Brees. I think Brady needs that kind of coach, like a Belichick where, uh, how do you say it? Like Belichick had the game plan, Brady followed it. And to me, Sean Payton is the same way, but I think Belichick has more control over than I think what Payton would. That's just the way I feel. I could be 100% wrong. It could be a match made in heaven. But I think when Sean looks at those rosters and he looks at a Denver roster, a Tampa roster, a Chargers roster, uh, if Staley gets fired, it's almost like that. That roster where the Chargers looks like sexy. It's like there's really nothing I need to do here. Where if I go to Tampa, I don't really have much of a running game. Uh, my defense is spotty. I have Tom Brady, who is probably going to be with me for just a year. It, it's kind of like there's a lot more question marks in Tampa Bay for a Sean Payton to come back to. So... I don't know. It's going to be fun to see what happens uh, in the offseason. But nonetheless, man, we are out of time. This time went super, super fast. So we covered NFL playoffs, super wild card weekend. Um, tomorrow, the Buccaneers and Cowboys end wild card weekend. So we will see what happens there. We're both taking the uh, Buccaneers. I am, what am I, five and one today or for the weekend so far? I lost the Giants game, obviously. I think. Are you perfect still or no? I don't know if I made my picks, actually. I don't remember what they were if I did make them. I thought we did last week. Either way, doesn't matter. I'm going to definitely be 1-0 tomorrow when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Dallas Cowboys, for sure. So for everyone that is not with us right now, uh, Shamal on the Beats, Derek Gervin, Rocky, uh, Candice Avila Garcia, for stats, for myself, the uh, the great one. You went one-on-one with the great one, as well as with stats here. Rudy <laughs> Compost Jr., hey, man, XFL's coming uh, in a few, in a, probably a month, I believe, the 18th. So, yeah, we're a month away from XFL in San Antonio. Uh, but, hey, again, shout-out to the San Antonio Spurs and all their fans for selling out the Alamo Dome, 68,000-plus fans. It was a magnificent atmosphere from everybody I talked to. So, enjoy the playoffs until we sweep the league again next week. We'll see y'all soon. Oh, yeah.